Well, good morning, church. And I would say Happy New Year, but it's way more than happy. The word that the Lord gave me, and I'm, I'll be brief, but it's shalom. Shalom means peace. It means more than peace. It's wholeness in mind, body, and spirit. So whoever's needing shalom today in this year, let's just call this year the year of shalom. And may God richly bless you. May God richly grow deep into your spirit and bring that shalom this year. God bless you guys. So this morning, sorry. This morning, we're gonna be in 2 Peter and we're gonna be in chapter two. And I love this book. Pastor Jackie's unpacking it amazingly. So we'll be looking forward to some more challenging remarks. I leave here just about every Sunday scratching my head and going, how am I gonna live it? But we can through the grace of Jesus Christ. So let's read together. Second Peter chapter two, beginning in verse one. But false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, 
They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you as a needy people in need of a savior, in need of a Lord. And God, I pray that as Pastor Jackie unpacks these scriptures, that they would speak life to us this morning and that we would be so careful in this generation to not follow deceptive uh, sin, Lord. And we ask that your spirit, God, would lead us into truth, lead us into righteousness, to holiness, and to purity. And Father, I just ask you right now that you would penetrate our hearts this morning, Lord, and change our hearts. Not that we would just think differently, God, but that you would move us to action. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here this morning as a free people to worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about the marked men of 2 Peter chapter 2. Marked men are the false teachers that uh, Peter is directing our attention to. You see, he mentioned in chapter 1 <clears throat> that we are partakers of a divine nature. So the appetites of the believer has now turned toward the truth of his word, has turned toward the ways of the Lord. In fact, part of the mark of someone with a divine nature, someone with whom the Spirit of God is indwelling, is a desire to follow Christ where he's going. And to do the things like he does, to keep our eyes on the prize and moving forward. But then Peter says, but you know, just like there were false prophets in the past, there are going to be false teachers. 
Now, who may have begun a certain way or, or have not, we can have endless arguments over those things. But the point is, at this point, they are apostate. They, have their, they are denying. They're no longer following Jesus. But they look like they are. And we talked about the reality that not everybody you listen to or watch or read is safe to listen to, watch, or read. The reality is that there are a number of false teachers that are there to deceive and derail. And we don't want that. We don't want that deception or that derailing because the scripture tells us their end. Where does their road lead to? If someone stands up before you and says, come follow me, you better know where they're going. Look, Peter says in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, we just read it, that in their greed they will exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So where are they going? They're on the road to destruction. The book of Proverbs is a book that tells us that there are two roads you can take. One leads to life, the other to death. One is the path of wisdom, one is the path of the fool. One is the path of the adulterous woman, the other is the path of lady wisdom. All of it is, is telling us over and over again that we should be paying attention to the roadsides along the journey. Because if we're not paying attention, if we're not staying grounded in the truth of God's word, it's not hard to be deceived. And once we start walking down the road of deception, you may find yourself in a place where you say, how in the world did I get here? So pay attention. One of the great tools that we have to keep us on the road of life, one of the great tools we have is the word of God. And the opportunity to hand out to you a one-year Bible, it's not a study Bible, it's just a Bible you can sit down with. The readings are, are gathered together so you could read through the entire Bible in a year. You don't want to do it that way. I don't care how you do it. You should read your Bible through at least once every year. You should, as believers, read your Bible through at least once a year. So if you need a tool to help you, there's a free one sitting on the table. If you say to yourself, I don't really like the New Living. I don't care which one you use. People ask me all the time, Jackie, what's the best Bible? The one you'll read. <laughs> okay, I have, to, I have to temper that statement now. The Passion Translation is horrific. It is an abomination and very heretical. Stay away from it. If you have it, get rid of it. That's not okay. You should pay attention to who's in your library, whose voice you're letting into your mind and into your head. Because those things will take you astray. Just so you know, the guy who did the Passion Translation, he got a special message from God. You tell me if this sounds familiar. He got a special message from God through which he interpreted the Old Testament scriptures. He did not need the language. It was irrelevant. He got a special message. God gave him, and so he did the Passion Translation. So 
just so you know, that sounds a little bit like a fellow I heard about reading golden tablets. And then you say, well, how do I know that you did this right? You just have to take my word for it because God told me. Just so you know, that's not how God works. He provides for us means through which we can comprehend and understand his word. And he's not going to use the language and then require in 2017 or 18 or whenever he did it, a special word from a special prophet to tell us what it really means. Right? You guys understand that's not logical? We need to be aware of the false teachers. Now, Charles Spurgeon, I like Charles Spurgeon. <coughs> he started a magazine called The Sword and the Trowel. Sword and the Trowel. Because in Nehemiah, when the children of Israel were called to rebuild uh, the wall around Jerusalem, they had to work with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand. And the sword is a symbol of defending. They were defending their family. For you and I, we are to defend the faith. And the trowel, the trowel is a symbol of building. So we're to build and defend. Make sense? We're to build and defend. Now the world is full of people who only build and they, have a, they say they have a very positive message, but they never defend what they're building. And there are others who all they do is defend and they never build. So we want to walk uh, right down the path that says, I'm going to defend and I'm going to build. I'm going to be aware of those things that are around me that I want to uh, um, be concerned about. Peter here, he's going to talk about three specific sins. We're, we're not making it to the end of chapter 2, so don't be afraid. He's going to talk about three specific sins. I am promising to make it through those three, which should get us maybe, I don't know, 16, maybe verse 16. The three specific sins. The first one is they reject authority. This is what false teachers do. They reject the authority that we have and they become their own authority. They all do it. They reject the authority. The second thing that they do, the second sin he's going to talk about is their lives are never-ending revelry. For those who don't know what that means, their life is one big party after another. Licentiousness. Satisfying the gratification of the flesh. This is how he's describing it. And the third one is rather than follow Christ, they are following Balaam. And that's an interesting point we'll get to hopefully if I hurry up. Let's take a look. We're going to back up and look at verse 9 and 10. Really the <coughs> 10 divides, verse 10 divides into two parts, but... Just so we can get the context, look at verse 9. It says, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Amen? Are you happy? Hallelujah. He can rescue the godly from trials and keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Will God judge the unrighteous? Yes. What were we before we were saved? Children of wrath under the wrath of God. Who are we saved from? 
We're saved from the righteous judgment of God Almighty. That's what Jesus Christ did. We are children of wrath under the wrath of God, guilty before God. Jesus Christ saved us. He clothed us in his righteousness. He covered us with his blood. He washed our sin free. That's why Jesus Christ commands all men everywhere to do what? Repent and believe. Repent. Turn from our sin. Believe. Put our faith and trust in Christ and follow him. And especially those who indulge in the lust of the defiling, uh, of defiling passion and despise authority. Now he's going to turn his attention to the first issue. What's the first issue we're talking about that he's going to focus on with the false teachers? Their sin. They reject authority. Bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. They are rejectors of authority. God has established authority in the world. Peter has talked about it. It's called the holiness code. I talked about it as a code of conduct. The Bible lays out for us there is established authority. You may not like God's established authority, but he didn't ask you to like it. But this is his established authority. Husbands are the authority in the family. The husband over the wife. The parents over the children. Masters over slaves. Government over its citizens. Elders over the body. That's God's established authority. It's throughout the scriptures. You can see it as we work our way through the scriptures. In fact, in Hebrews, <coughs> the writer of Hebrews uh, counsels us to remember your leaders, those who speak to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So the leadership that we follow in the, in the body of Christ, Calvary Chapel Buell, the elders ought to reflect lives that you can imitate. That's what they ought to do, and that's what we ought to do. We ought to follow. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give account. I want you to think about that. We're coming to a, a time and a season where some of the elders will be stepping off the board, some new elders will be stepping on. You should pay attention to what I just read. The folks that we have been asking to pray about coming on the board, it says, as those who will have to give account. It's not a lazy job. It's not a job of self-promotion. And there is, Scripture says, let not many of you become teachers. Why? There's what? Stricter condemnation. So elders lead. The body follows, and elders are accountable to Almighty God for how they lead. Sobering words, but we want to understand. God has organized a, a structure of authority, right, all around us. In the family, at work, wherever we are, God has established authority. But the nature of man is not to submit to authority. Do I have an amen? amen. Yeah. I don't want to submit to nothing. As soon as you tell me not to do something, that's exactly what I want to do. Now, this is man's fallen nature. It is riddled with pride and arrogance 
that must be defeated. The struggle of the false teacher is that they are self-willed rather than God-willed. And the warning for you and I is, what are we? Are you self-willed or God-willed? Do you want what God wants? Or do you want what you want? The Word of God would challenge us in Philippians chapter 2. You guys know this passage. Chapter 2, I'm going to read from verses 3 to 8. But it describes, Paul describing to the church what our attitude should be. How we are to be uh, uh, governed. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition. So how many things should we do from selfish ambition? No, we're already in trouble, right? Verse 1. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Are you self-willed or God-willed? Walk in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, so it's, not, it's okay to look out for your own interest, but not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he says this, so have this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have the mind of Christ. Well, what's the mind of Christ? Who, though he was in the form of God, that means he is God and his DNA, his core, he's in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather emptied himself. Now, I want you to think of that in these terms. Jesus Christ did not empty himself of deity or divinity. Jesus Christ humbled himself. What are we talking about in Philippians? Do nothing from selfish ambition. Even though he's God of very God, he humbled himself. How do I know that this is what he's talking about? How do I know this is what's being described? Look what it says. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, slave, bond slave, actually. A slave by choice. You notice it's the same word for the word for God. So at God's very DNA, at Jesus' very DNA, he is almighty God. And at the center of his DNA, I know these are human terms, but just run with me a little bit with it. At his DNA, he is also a bond slave, a servant. He did not come to lord it over, but to be a servant. He is, in fact, what Isaiah described as a suffering servant. The one who would pay the, pay the price for you and I. How far did he humble himself? Look what the scripture says. Being found in human form, he humbled himself. How far? Being obedient all the way to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So because Christ humbled himself, what did his father do? If you read the rest of Philippians, it says, so... His father exalted his name above every name that is named, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. How many knees? Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what God-willed looks like. Now the problem with false teachers is they fall into a sin of self-will. They exalt, they exalt self. It's about self-promotion. It's about lifting yourself up, thinking yourself 
and presuming upon yourself more authority than you have. Listen, it goes on in verse 11. Here's where, here's where I want you to see it. Verse 11, 2 Peter 2, 11, Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, <coughs> do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. He's given us example of the angels. Peter is saying, these guys, these false teachers, they'll even blaspheme or slander the glorious ones. That means they are slandering the, the, the angelic. They, they think they have authority over. Now, the Bible does tell us there will be a day when, when the body of Christ will sit in judgment over the angels. But this is not that day. You'll know when it's the day. You won't have to ask yourself, well, Jackie, is it today? I don't know. Are you standing in front of a great white throne with a bunch of angels walking in front of you? Then it's not the day. So the Bible talks about that, but I want you to understand the point that, that Peter is making, and, and we can understand it by referencing Jude, verse 8, because Jude has a similar section to 2 Peter talking about false teachers. And in Jude, verse 8, talking about this... Uh, um, rejection of authority it says yet in like manner to these people also uh, relying on their dreams they defile the flesh reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones sounds familiar right but when the archangel michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of moses he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but he said the lord rebuke you who has authority for judgment? Now look, I am one who will definitely acknowledge that the church needs the gift of discernment more than ever before. And I'm not telling you not to judge. But I am telling you, you have no right to condemn. That's God's job. That's God's level of judgment. What is your level of judgment? You look at it and you say, it's not good, stay away. The, the Lord rebuke you. It's a willingness to stay beneath the, the level of authority or assuming or presuming too much authority. And this is the problem of a false teacher because there's no end to what authority they will presume. They will presume to stand before you and say, I am an apostle. If any teacher on any of your bookshelves declares himself to be an apostle, chuck the book. There are no new apostles. There's no new prophets. That's over. It's done. Why would someone take upon themselves the title of apostle? What do they want? Authority. Why would I stand up before you and say I'm an apostle? Because I want you to all stop arguing with me and just do what I say. You understand the problem with that? The office of apostle is over. To become an apostle, you needed to see Jesus Christ, to walk with him, be witness to his crucifixion and his resurrection. You can't do that today. To be a prophet of Almighty God, you have to be called by Almighty God. You see God. You ever read Isaiah? 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and God was calling Isaiah as a prophet to the people. What about Jeremiah? God called Jeremiah. What about Ezekiel? God called Ezekiel the same way. So when they make these proclamations, they are rejecting the given authority that we have through the word of God, and they are becoming their own authority. There are a lot of people who do that today. There's a lot of people who want to reject the authority of God. I have some friends who I dearly love, who as a means of releasing pressure when we're together, they call me the theologian. So they'll do something goofy, and then they'll look at me and say, well, what's a theologian say? Oh, the theologian says, what you just did, and in the Bible, you should probably stop doing that. But they don't really like that very much. <coughs> because they are rejecting authority. Who's the authority in the church today? It's not Jackie. Who's the authority in the church today? It's not some denominational council. It's not the council of the Southern Baptists. Who's the authority in the church today? The authority in the church today is the word of God. That's the authority. And the things we do must line up with the word of God. And if they don't, it's not okay. And if you say, well, it's, Jackie, it should be okay because it's just, a little, it's just a little weird. No, a little weird is not okay. Remember when I asked you yesterday about the last time about the brownies? If I come over, you come over to my house and I go to feed you brownies, you guys are all going to freak out, huh? <laughs> you give me none of your brownies. How much bad stuff in a brownie is too much? Any, right? <coughs> Look, let's hold fast to the truth of the word of God. We do not want to be led astray. The example from Jude is that Michael the archangel would not presume authority, but he reserved he reserved his authority under the authority that God had given. Yes? So there's God-given authority. We talked about God-given authority, right? We went through the God-given authority. And so that's the authority structure by which we function today. False teachers will always reject that. Always. They'll turn from that and walk in selfish ambition. Peter said, angels who are greater than us don't do that. He's given us that example. But then he looks back at the false teachers in verse 12 and he says, but these are like irrational animals. Meaning they're not reasoning. They're not using reasoning. They're acting like creatures of instinct. Born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. Almost anybody you watch on TV falls into that category. Almost any. Blaspheming about matters of which they're ignorant. Running around like irrational animals, creatures of instinct. Not holding fast. Not walking according to the word. Now there is a fine balance. I'm not trying to make too fine a point. We want to walk in the spirit. At Calvary Chapel, we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I'm not a cessationist. I'm not saying that someone can't prophesy. I'm just saying they're not a prophet. 
I'm not saying that God can't use the gifts written about in his scripture. I believe that God can use the gifts that are written in his scripture, but they will fall in accordance with his word. Does that make sense? And if they don't, you should get away. And if you don't know, you should read your Bible. That will help. Right? We want to know the things we believe. We want to understand these. They blaspheme. They slander matters which they're ignorant. And what path are they on? What road are they on? The path of what? Destruction. Is that who you want to follow? There are a lot of people today. There are a lot of churches that are really, really popular. That a lot of people go to. Who, if they are not over the line, are flirting with it awful hard. Bethel Church has jumped over the line a number of times. How much is too much? Elevation, if they haven't jumped over it, they're sure got their toes over the line and flirting with it awful hard. How much is too much? You should be careful. should be careful there are men out there blaspheming matters of which they are ignorant and the path they're on leads to destruction now it is possible for you and I to get off the path anybody ever got off the path okay so we got off the path and now I'm carousing down the path that leads to destruction and what the Word of God would challenge me with is hopefully I'm paying attention to the Word and I recognize, whoa, what happened? I'm off the path. Where do I need to go? What did Jesus tell the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation? In the book of Revelation, Jesus brought condemnation on the church at Ephesus because they had left the path. They had left their first love. What did he tell them to do? Remember, repent. And return. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Stop. Repent means change your direction. And go back to the path that we are to be following. We are to be following Jesus Christ, right? We want to follow him. We do not want to be irrational animals. And like irrational animals, false teachers will be judged. Is there a stricter judgment for those who teach? Should we be flirting too much with things that we don't know nothing about? Be careful. Be careful. Verse 13 now turns <coughs> from the idea of rejecting authority to the never-ending party. A life of lasciviousness. Pleasure. Look what it says. Verse 13, they count it pleasure to revel in the dead time. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. They are accursed children. They are seekers of pleasure, not seekers of God. So you have rejecting authority and then seekers of pleasure. They want to revel in the daytime. Scripture talks about that. Ecclesiastes 10.16 says, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. 
Oh, my goodness. I would say this over like the last umpteen presidents. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. What's he talking about? They party in the light. They're reveling in the daytime. They're pursuing pleasure, not pursuing God. And they're not even waiting for the darkness to cover their actions. They're pursuing it all day long. What would you say about the United States and of America? You just spend, spend 30 seconds on TikTok. You tell me what is it we're pursuing. What are we pursuing? What are all the people pursuing? They're pursuing pleasure. It's, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. They are seekers of pleasure, not seekers of God. Isaiah 5.11 says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they might run after strong drink, and they tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. The point is, they're seeking pleasure in the daytime. Instead of seeking God, they're seeking pleasure. What do the false teachers do? They're seeking pleasure. They're seeking to satisfy the gratification of the flesh. How are they doing it? It says their eyes are full of adultery. Their eyes are full of adultery. They, they, they are looking for sexual immorality. Anybody aware of any people who were self-proclaimed or otherwise proclaimed Christian leaders who've fallen in sexual immorality? Their eyes are full of adultery. In opposition to that, Job, in Job 31.1, said, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not gaze on a virgin. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not looking. That's not our world today. That's not the church today. What is it that he's telling us? He says, look, the second sin is a seeking of pleasure, eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, leading others astray, looking to bring other people with them on the path of destruction. And their hearts are trained in greed. You know, one of the things that you will discover about sin is it's never satisfied. Sexual immorality is never satisfied. Ever. It just wants to destroy more and more and more. I've been down that road. Greed is never satisfied. There's never enough. You always want more. The second sin that, that the false teachers <coughs> run in is they are seekers of pleasure, not seekers of God. The third sin is they are followers of the way of Balaam. This is where the first two come together. The rejection of authority and the seeking of pleasure. They find meat in Balaam. Balaam, you remember Balaam, he's a Gentile prophet. Did you know that? In the book of Numbers, that's a long time ago. That's in the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. There you go. Balaam, the son of Peor. Balaam, the son of Beor. Says in verse 15, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. So what have they done? They have abandoned the way. What is the way? Let me say it this way. Who is the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. First Peter 2, 
21, how is it that we're supposed to live? We're followers of the truth, right? We're followers of Christ. What's it say? 1 Peter 2, 21, same author. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Oh, look at there. It's all spelled out simply, right? Jesus is our example. We should follow him. Verse 22, who committed no sin, who told no lie, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, that means when he was abused verbally by others, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but rather continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 2 Peter 1 3 through 8 says, His divine power was granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us uh, to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. So he's saying he's given us everything we need. He's given us the word and the spirit. That's what you need. The word of God and the leading of the spirit. Those two things, he has given us these things. Why? So that you through them may become partakers of the divine nature. My nature changes. And I find myself longing for the things of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So that's the way. But the false teachers abandon the way. And rather they follow Balaam. So let's remind ourselves a little bit of the high notes of Balaam. Balaam, Numbers 22, verse 18. Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me, say, a house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond what the Lord commanded. I could not do less or more. Okay, stop giving Balaam any credit. You know what he's doing. Here's the story of Balaam. Balaam's a Gentile prophet. He's hanging out somewhere. And Balak, the king, wants to hire a prophet to curse the children of Israel. Them dirty, good-for-nothing children of Israel, they are messing up the muckworks, and I want them cursed. So they go to Balaam. And God says to Balaam, don't do it. How many times does God have to say no to you? Should only be one time. But when we look at the story of Balaam, you're going to see the Lord relent. And Balaam's going to keep asking, you guys who are parents, what does that mean in the heart of your child? When they come to you and ask you again for something of which you have already said no. What does it mean? It means that that's what they want. No? Now you may hold firm on your no. They're going to try to wear you down, ain't they? They're going to try to wear you down. Get a little blood out of that turnip. So Balaam, he's talking to Balak, and he says, he gives him a little <coughs> hint. 
You know, Balak, even if you were to say, fill my house up with gold, I can only do what God says. Is that true? Well, let's, let's continue to read scripture. Numbers two, 22, verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Look at verse 22, please. But God's anger was kindled. Why? Because he went. So did God tell him to go? Well, I can only do what God tells me, even if you fill my house up with gold. Was that true? Well, apparently not, because it says the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way of his adversary. The angel of the Lord. This is Jesus Christ standing before Balaam. As he's riding his donkey, his two servants are with him. In verse 32, after Balaam has beaten his donkey, you guys know the story, right? The donkey won't go because the angel of the Lord is standing in the way with a sword. And the donkey's like, I'm not doing that. I don't care how much you hit me with that stick. I am not doing that. Because the donkey is smarter than Balaam. I'm not going to do what God has said not to do. Donkey's like, I'm not, I don't, beat me with a stick. I don't know why you're beating me. The donkey talks to him and Balaam talks back to the donkey. But look, in, in verse 32, Numbers 22, verse 32 says, The angel of the Lord said, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. Was he on the, now I'm going to just tell you, Balaam should have turned around and went home. God said, I stood in your way to oppose you because I'm angry that you left. Okay, I'm going home. But that's not what we do when we reject authority and we are seekers of pleasure. The angel stood before him. I oppose you. Your way is perverse. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me three times. If she had not done that, I would have killed you and let her live. That's bad, right? Numbers twenty-two forty-one. It says, in the morning, Balak, King Balak, took Balaam and brought him up to Bamoth Baal. And from there he saw a fraction of the people. Jackie, why are you telling us that? Oh, you see, he went to Balak, and he told Balak, I can't curse the children of Israel. So they worked up a scheme. Let's see if you can only see part of them if you could curse that part. So three times, Balak is going to take Balaam so he can only see a fraction of the people. Like, there's got to be a way around what God said. There's got to be a way so I can still get my gold and be obedient to God too. Let me settle that one for you. No. No way. I'm going to read three, three times. Verse uh, 2241 to go see a fraction of the people. 2313. <clears throat> Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You'll only see a fraction of them and shall not see them all. Then curse them for me from there. 23:27. Balak said to Balaam, come now, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God and you may curse them for me from there. 
So they are actively trying to be disobedient to God's word, right? Don't curse the people. First he said, don't go. Then he wanted to go. So God said, go, but only say what I tell you to say. And he broke it every time. Balaam did not care to obey God at all. He was a seeker of pleasure, and he was rejecting the authority of God's word. Numbers 25, 1 through 3. You guys can read from 22 through 25. The whole story is all there for you. Numbers 25, 1 through 3. While Israel lived in Chittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So what happens is Balaam can't curse him, can't curse him, can't curse him, can't curse him, no matter what he does. So he tells King Balak, take your women, have them dress all sexy and send them down to the camp of Israel. And the young men in the camp of Israel will fall for the young women of Moab. And then when they fall in for him, have him introduce other gods. And then God will curse the people. Do you know what happened at Baal of Peor? God cursed the people. And they died because of their sexual immorality. But they came to sexual immorality because of a false teacher named Balaam who wanted to reject authority and be a seeker of pleasure. Maybe you think, Jackie, I don't know if that's true. Well, Numbers 31, 16. Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. So the plague came out among the congregation of the Lord. That's the Bible. Numbers 31, 8. What was, the, what was the end result of Balaam? The children of Israel, they killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain. Ebi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And they also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. Because Balaam never left Balak. Because Balak had all the gold. Never hear about another prophecy coming out of Balaam because he sold it all. Now, when we look at the story of Balaam, we think, well, there's several chapters, 22 through 25 in chapter 31 of the book of Numbers that kind of lay out for us the whole picture of what happened with Balaam. But in the New Testament, he's referred to three times, always in the realm of false teachers. We've read the first one here, 2 Peter 2. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor. Who loved gain from wrongdoing? He loved his sin, and he wanted to do it. But was rebuked for his own transgression by a speechless donkey with a human voice to restrain the prophet's madness. Jude 11 says, Woe unto them, for they walked in the way of Cain. They abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. And Revelation 2.14, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, 
so they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. The way of Balaam, the error of Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. To rebel against God's revealed direction. To be filled with selfish ambition as a seeker of pleasure rather than a seeker of God. And the teaching of Balaam, there has got to be a loophole somewhere to get around what God's word says. I don't have to obey. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. That, that's not really God's revealed word. I should twist that to suit my, I really love her. I really love him. There are so many commandments in scripture, clear teaching of God that the church disobeys today. Not the least of which is sexual immorality, which is rampant within the body of Christ. And we pretend like that's just the way things are these days. So we should do these things. That is the way of Balaam. Following the teaching of Balaam. The error of Balaam. God is calling us to be followers of God, not seekers of pleasure. God is calling us to be obedient to his word and what his word declares. God is calling us to bow the knee to him. Yes? So Peter says, be weary. Be weary of a man who would call himself a prophet. Who would come and look for ways to teach you how to abandon the principles that God lays out. Because those men are marked men. On the road of destruction. And you shall not follow Amen. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you now, Lord. We ask that you would <coughs> help us be men and women of the Spirit. Uh, again, uh, this is not a proclamation that says oh my gosh I need to self will myself into a, a better life no I need to submit myself to the word of God and to the spirit of God because my heart tells me this is wrong God's spirit in me is telling me this is not the things I should be doing this is not who I should be following Bible says in the, in the book of Timothy that the days will come when men won't want sound teaching anymore because all these other things tickle my ears I like how this sounds I like how this makes me feel I like what this is calling me to Men will become lovers of self rather than lovers of God. So they will heap up for themselves teachers that will scratch their itchy ears. That won't tell them this is sin and we ought repent. 
won't challenge us to read your Bible every day. Silence the voice of the world in your ears and in your eyes and in your heart because that is the sound of the immoral woman calling you to her bedchamber. The book of Proverbs says a young man followed her, but he did not know that it would cost him his life. Path of life path of destruction Joshua stood before the people and he gave to them the blessings and the cursings and he challenged the people he said listen I have set before you blessing and cursing life and death choose life as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So God, I pray that today, in the homes of the people represented here, the authority of that home, their father, is willing to say the words, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. In the families represented here today, I pray that there are parents, mothers and fathers, who, as the authority over their children, will lead them in the path of truth. I pray, Lord, for the leadership of the church, that there are leaders in the church that will lead the church down the path. not reject authority, but we would submit to the final authority, which is always the word of God. Lord, I pray that you might be glorified and magnified here. We want to honor you. We want to glorify you. So we pray, Lord, your blessing as we turn our eyes upon the prize. Give us the strength we need to walk, to run, and to finish our race. 